Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Shivaglani, and today on Raise the Line, I'm really privileged to welcome Omar Ishraq, who's one of the most influential figures in medical technology and healthcare in the U.S. and globally. He earned that role in part by being chairman and CEO of Medtronic, the world's leading medical technology company, from 2011 to 2020, but he was also president and CEO of GE Healthcare Systems earlier in his career. Outside of healthcare, he serves as chairman of the board of directors at Intel and is also on the boards of the Cleveland Clinic and Asia Society. His tenure at Medtronic was marked by a focus on therapy innovation, globalization, and economic value, and he engineered the acquisition of Covidian, a $10 billion global manufacturer of surgical products and suppliers, the largest medical technology acquisition in the history of the industry. Over the last decade, he was responsible for bringing to market a long list of innovations to improve the lives of millions of patients around the world and help healthcare systems become more efficient. So Omar, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Great, thank you. Thank you for that very kind introduction, and I'm looking forward to the discussion. So you obviously have a very impressive background in healthcare. Can you start by telling us a bit about how you got into engineering first and then the career within business? Well, I got into engineering because I took a degree in electrical engineering, which... um, you know, I just felt I wanted to do. And from that, I did a PhD actually in the area of ultrasound imaging. And and that then um, took me into business. In the beginning, I wanted to do uh, research, but very quickly, I realized that I uh, wanted to know the impact that that research would have on a product and then on, on patients and people and what value it would create for a company. And so that over time connected me with customers and with business and and, and that's how I eventually grew. So you spent nine years as chairman and CEO of Medtronic and retired just earlier this year in April 2020, um, as well as stepped down as chairman of the board recently. What can you tell us about Medtronic, how it's evolved, your time leading the company, any any highlights that you can share with our audience? Well, you know, first, a little bit of perspective on Medtronic. You know, it's a leading medical technology company uh, with over $30 billion in revenue, 90,000 employees. But most importantly, we touch uh, something like 70 to 80 million lives every year people's lives are impacted through the application of Medtronic technology and impact in a way that it either extends their life or makes them recover from illness more, more quickly or reduces their pain in some way. So that's what Medtronic really is. Now, in my time in Medtronic, really uh, a number of things. Uh, the company has a storied history. It was formed in 19, uh, you know, late 1950s by uh, someone called Erbachin, who not only launched Medtronic, but essentially through that launched the entire medtech industry. One of the greatest things that he did together with his leadership team very early in the history of Medtronic is wrote uh, this mission of Medtronic, which uses the words that uh, we are basically a biomedical engineering company uh, aiming to alleviate pain, restore health or extend life for people. And that is just one tenant. There are actually six tenants of the mission. But what's uh, very um, sort of appealing about this is that this mission not only um, inspires and unifies everyone in the company, which is quite a statement because 90,000 employees, everybody at any time, anywhere in the world, you ask them what the mission is, they know what it is. And it's not just today, that's how it's been for 60 or 70 years. That's quite unique. Now, beyond that, the mission also guides us in terms of strategy, uh, where we are and where we're not. We're biomedical engineering. We alleviate pain, restore health and extend life. I mean, that actually says a lot. That means we change outcomes. 
And it also has, amongst the other tenets, a set of guiding principle, operational principles, uh, which has in it things like valuing employees, valuing all employees, the importance of diversity and inclusion in its own words, the importance of being an important social citizen, the importance of having making a fair profit. So, you know, these are things that I certainly didn't create. All I did was uh, follow them and maybe apply them to today's world. And it was always something that struck me that this uh, six statements written in 1960 when the company wasn't even making any money at less than a thousand employees is as applicable today in 2020 as it was then. And I'm certain it'll be in the future. So my understanding of this mission and its application to the employee base and hopefully, you know, continue the legacy of my predecessors and make sure that it's a platform that can continue CEO after CEO is perhaps the biggest thing. And then, and then beyond that, you know, the company um, is now, I'd say, on a growth trajectory based on a very robust product pipeline, which we had to invest in. It's a global company. And so um, sustainability of growth is maintained by global access. And I think it's a platform for the future, for, for future growth based on the mission and what we stand for. Uh, so that's basically uh, my time at Medtronic. I think the only other thing I'd add is during this time, we also did uh, the biggest acquisition in MedTech, which was the acquisition of Covidian, which really almost doubled the size, the number, certainly doubled the number of employees and grew the revenue base by a significant amount. That was, uh, like I said, a major acquisition, which has now been integrated and, and works very well uh, with the rest of the company, primarily because we felt that that acquisition would help us further the mission and touch more patients. That is what was most important. So that's like a bit of a, a summary of my time at Medtronic. And I could obviously go on, but that those are perhaps the key highlights. Well, that's pretty fascinating. I actually didn't realize that the same mission has lasted for over you know 50 years. Yeah. Medtronic is definitely a company that's inspired me on my own journey. I was a biomedical engineer in college. And then, as I mentioned before mm-hmm. the interview, when I went to business school, uh, I had an opportunity to learn from Bill George about leadership and, you know, he, he ran Medtronic as well. So it's definitely been a, a very exciting company to follow over the years and uh, especially how you've grown it over the past decade. So 2020 hit, COVID has changed everything. Uh, and we'd love to hear your take on, you know, what are some of the things that COVID has revealed about our healthcare system? What are some of the lasting changes that you think will happen both at Medtronic, but also in healthcare in general because of COVID? You know, the one thing that does um, come through is that COVID is essentially a crisis and it's a global crisis. And if nothing else, it, um, in its own way, it focuses people and the healthcare system particularly. And things that have um, been striking is the speed with which, um, you know, remote care has been adopted for obvious reasons. And I think that will stay. I don't know if it's still in exactly the same form, but aspects of it will shape and accelerate uh, the usage of technology in healthcare, of that type of technology in healthcare. I think the other thing that also is uh, very striking is, uh, you know, we've all heard about the vaccine and the speed with which uh, that has been developed, also because of this very focused, uh, you know, crisis-oriented mentality, but also the therapeutics. Uh, And it's been remarkable to me how quickly the physician community both in the US and around the world, began to understand how to treat this disease. At that time, all we could do is treat, and even now mostly. But the, uh, the mortality rate has improved significantly since the whole uh, pandemic first started. 
And uh, it's been very striking how physicians have understood this, formulated policy and shared it with each other. So that's uh, in that area of treatment, I think that'll remain. I think if we can learn how to work together more closely in the delivery of care, and at least keep some of these items that become highlighted during a crisis and at other times it uh, kind of goes away, I think that would be uh, really very beneficial. I think the other thing that also came out, and again, I, I, I don't know how to sustain it, but clearly when a event occurs that requires this overriding priority, then uh, you know we learn how to cross uh, company boundaries, we learn how to cross hospital boundaries, functional boundaries, and uh, create solutions very quickly. If you could at least take some aspects of that and translate that into our normal operations, I think we'd benefit a lot from that. Yeah, we've heard a lot about the speed at which traditionally slow institutions, healthcare, education have changed because of COVID. Uh, we recently had uh, Mike Alkier from Premier uh, talking about the healthcare supply chain as well mm-hmm. and, and some of the, the ways hospitals have had to work together to allocate resources. I know Medtronic was a leader being tapped by the government early on to supply ventilators and, and up, you know, upregulate right. production. You were on your way out in April 2020, but I imagine you probably were involved in a lot of some of those discussions. Yep. Very much. Yes. I mean, certainly uh, when the pandemic started, I was in the middle of uh, this whole ventilator uh, crisis, if you like, and uh, Medtronic was in the middle of it. And I'm glad to say that we we took a good leadership role. We were pragmatic about what could be done and what couldn't be done. One of the most important things we did we, is that we open sourced our ventilator platform and that enabled uh, some level of production around the world to happen pretty quickly. New business models actually were invented through that. And our own production went up rapidly. But equally importantly, in the early phases when um, the demand was so great that there was no way in which anyone could fulfill all of that demand in that time, uh, we learned how to allocate. We learned, you know, everyone almost in a panic wanted every ventilator there was, which clearly was not a practical situation. And so we had to uh, first be very clear about our own motives, that uh, saving lives was the most important priority. And wherever the need was the greatest, we would allocate accordingly. And so that um, forced us to create an allocation mechanism based on, say, the University of Washington models and and look at it across the country and, and also globally and go through that process. And so I'd say that that sort of focus on the importance of saving other people's lives and, and doing whatever has to be done to enable that, you know, taught us a lot. And I think the company um, contributed in a way that, frankly, I'm pretty proud of. And I think we did make a difference and, and we learned a lot as well. We learned a lot as well and we created relationships with countries, governments, other companies that I think were lost uh, into the long term. Yeah, that's incredible. And, you know, the reason we call this podcast Raise Line, it was all about how do we increase healthcare capacity? And clearly the work, you know, Medtronic was doing to do that, open sourcing your ventilators is a big part of how we were able to do that. So Osmosis is a teaching company. We have an audience of millions of current and future healthcare professionals, as well as patients and family members. And we love to fill in knowledge gaps as a result of this. You know, is there any topic that you would like us to develop and educate? Like if you could snap your fingers, have us build a course, what type of thing would you be interested in us building to educate other clinicians or the public or both? Well, let me touch on, um, you know, two topics. You know, first is, you know, I'll go back to our mission and uh, the importance of uh, a sense of purpose in a company. 
which we talk about a lot, but remember the Medtronic mission was written at a time in 1960 when people didn't talk about those things, but, but now we do, and it's appropriate and important. But you know, that sense of purpose must be something that has continuity, that has long-term sustainability. It cannot be like, you know, every few years you write a new mission and form working groups, and then a few years later rewrite it. A sense of purpose defines a company's motive. Uh, almost always that sense of uh, purpose should relate to some kind of value creation somewhere because after all the company's being paid for something they get revenue and uh, if you get revenue you must be creating value and understanding that linkage uh, i think is very important that element of the importance of sense of purpose in teaching in business schools and so on i think is is important and it isn't something that you can just read up on uh, you can look at examples but it's worth thinking about and considering and learning and, and questioning each other as to what kind of sense of purpose um, is uh, one that is sustainable and what that stays over time and, and that every company should really have that no matter what they do. And if you do that, then all the other elements that we talk about such a lot will follow. Everything from uh, ESG metrics to why a company uh, is worth a certain amount or, or charges for their goods a certain amount, all of that will follow from what the sense of purpose is and what value you're, you're creating. So I think some kind of more formal material around that would be, would be something that is probably valuable. And, and Medtronic mission, I think, could be an example of a sustained uh, sense of purpose that's been adopted by six or seven CEOs and maintained without any changes. And if I were to uh, say one thing is that the success of Medtronic uh, over the course of decades has uh, evolved in many ways from that singular uh, sense of purpose. The other item that I, I think is worth talking about, although there's a lot of uh, work in this area, but one that requires more and more highlighting is value-based healthcare. At some point, the healthcare industry overall, and I mean everyone, not just the technology companies, but also providers, payers, governments, patients, should uh, look at value-based healthcare because in value-based healthcare, the fundamental principle is that you pay for an outcome, which sounds simple. And the difference between paying for an outcome and paying for the promise of reaching an outcome is actually profound. Because when you promise you'll reach an outcome and you get paid for it, you're actually not accountable for it. You've just made a promise. When you actually get paid for the outcome, you're accountable for it. And when you start to think about it that way, then you start to make connections with each other. And in that way, I think healthcare can be uh, something of a growth driver, which it should be, as opposed to uh, an economic burden, which is how governments and people think about it. But it shouldn't. Improving somebody's life, uh, reducing the cost of care because unnecessary things aren't done. If you can imagine that those things help the economy, it becomes an economic growth driver not one that's simply a cost burden. And I think that change is something that the world has to go to. And value-based healthcare principles uh, have to be used to go there. And some sort of organized thinking around that, which is uh, more scaled than it is today, I think is essential. There, there are a few organizations doing that, but it's not accepted everywhere. And I think to the degree that that uh, can be made uh, broader and more, more organized, I think would help a lot. So those are two areas that I think uh, are worth considering. You know, I would love to respond to both of those. I mean, the second one, value-based healthcare, 
we recently had Vivian Lee on our podcast, uh, who wrote The Long Fix. She's president of Verily and used to be CEO of University of Utah Health Systems. In her book, she talks a lot about value-based healthcare. And I was shocked as to how little I was taught about this when I was a medical student at Johns Hopkins. Um, you know, professionals, clinicians aren't being taught as much about how healthcare is paid for, but clearly, you know, value-based is where things hopefully will be going. For the first one on the sense of purpose, that is, you know, a really important topic. And Medtronic's obviously been a leader here. Another leadership role I mentioned that you have is chairman of the board of Intel. And uh, Andy Grove taught a ton of leadership lessons, including one that's we've quoted many times this year with the crisis of COVID, which is bad companies are destroyed by crisis, good companies survive them, and great companies are improved by them. So I imagine, you know, whether it's Intel or Medtronic or hopefully some of the health systems, they will come out of this being even better because of the crises. Indeed, yeah. And, uh, you know, Intel also has its own mission, which is not that dissimilar, except there it's using technology to make people's lives better, to make a difference in people's lives. So I, I think having a steady sense of purpose like that is pretty important for a company. Absolutely. Well, I know we're coming up in time, so I had two last questions for you. The, the first is, given our audience is comprised primarily of students and early career health professionals, what's your advice to them about meeting the challenges of the COVID-19 uh, moment and approaching their career in healthcare? Well, you know, I, we've talked about COVID-19 and the learnings uh, from that, but um, I think focusing on patients, the role of the physicians and the people in the healthcare industry is to improve people's lives. You know, one must never forget that. The, the, the link to an outcome as opposed to an intermediate endpoint is important. When people talk about things like selling healthcare data and all this kind of stuff, which, which in my mind, you know, is okay. One can create a business model like that, but the data alone doesn't do anything. It's the usage of the data to change an outcome that makes a difference in healthcare. So, so the line of sight to improving the outcome, no matter what you do in healthcare, is important. That's, that's one thing that I think people should always remember. Tie your work to how people's lives get better, no matter what you do. You know, the other thing that is uh, also important in healthcare is this notion of working together with others, but at the same time, recognizing that healthcare is a granular effort. You know, a cardiologist cares about the heart, not the brain, or I mean, they understand it, but, but nowhere near the focus as a neurosurgeon or a neuroscientist may have, or an orthopedist may have on joints. And the point is that in each one of those areas, one can build an entire career, not just being a physician, being a researcher. You know, one can build an entire career just understanding some cellular mechanism in some, in some portion of the body somewhere. And that's a life's work. And it's not something that's just, you just read somewhere. You have to, you have to actually work on these things. And so the granularity of healthcare is extremely important. Another way of saying that is like, uh, and I'll take cardiology as an example because that's a nice, uh, easy one to relate to. You know, in the general public, a cardiologist is a cardiologist, but I think you and I both know that there's a massive difference between an electrophysiologist and an interventional cardiologist. And you, and you don't want to go to an interventional cardiologist when you have a cardiac rhythm problem. Again, it's not that one is any more important than the other, but the fields are complex enough that it requires focus and understanding and they keep growing. And so healthcare in the end is a granular area. You have to understand the details. You have to understand them in, in, in extreme depth. And you can build an entire career, an entire lifetime on just focusing on one thing. And uh, you know, one should never forget that. Now, to scale things, you may need to add things together at a different level. 
I understand, and things can have side effects. You need to understand about other things. But what's really struck me is uh, how focused really one has to be to really move the needle in healthcare. So these two things uh, I would leave with the audience that as they, you know, sort of think about their careers in healthcare, can they remember these? And that's great advice. And frankly, it's one of the reasons we even started Osmosis is that healthcare is different than other forms of education because it's way too vast. There's way too much information for any one person to know, which is why you have these specialists. It's high stakes. It affects people's lives directly. And then number three, it's dynamic. You know, a year ago today, most people in the U.S. probably didn't know what a coronavirus is. And now mm-hmm. it's the only thing a lot of people talk about. And so um, because of those three reasons, you know, we wanted to build a platform that was specifically designed for healthcare education. My last question to you is, uh, you know, is there anything else that we haven't covered that you'd like to be able to leave our audience with? Anything about your career or about your thoughts in healthcare? Anything else? Well, I think we've covered more or less everything. Maybe, maybe the one thing that I will uh, mention is to prospective engineering students uh, who want to go into business. You know, engineering teaches you um, a lot of thinking processes. It teaches you structured thinking, uh, cause and effect. It teaches you how to make approximations and trade-offs. And uh, I think applying that to business can have a lot of value. Not only that, learning how to communicate any invention that you made or any bright idea that, that you may have in simple terms that your customers can understand is something that's worth spending time on. And uh, I'd encourage engineers not to leave engineering, to keep their technical know-how, but don't be intimidated or think that business is not for you. Not because it's a different career, but because it's an extension of your own career and one through which you can create even more value and impact more people than if you simply did the engineering. So do both is the one thing that I would, uh, I would leave with the audience, or at least try to do both, if, if you, at least if you're interested. Don't be intimidated by it and go from there. But Shiv, thank you very much for your very uh, engaging questions and for giving me the time to share these thoughts with you. And Omar, thank you for not only being on the podcast, but more importantly, the work that you've done to raise the line and improve healthcare capacity. And with that, I'm Shiv Iwani. Thank you to our audience for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line since we're all in this together. Take care. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.